ACASTCAST. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in-store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hardy's Happy Hour isn't your average happy hour. From 2 to 5 p.m., double sliders are only a buck 25. Call it a charbroiled hour, a double beef hour, a whole lot of melty cheese hour. Call it what you want. Happy Hour at Hardy's is a good call. Offer for a limited time and only between 2 and 5 p.m. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the social psychic. Welcome to the special episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It is with great pleasure that I have the opportunity of sharing a very interesting story with you today. I will shortly have Mia come on to the uh, show with me. But first, I wanted to explain a little background to why we're doing this episode. Mia and I first became acquainted uh, at a wedding last October, my best friend Heather's wedding, which took place in New Jersey. And actually Pennsylvania, and we were seated at the same table. Mia works in the medical profession, lives in Pennsylvania, and frequents the Adirondack Mountains located in upstate New York. We had the pleasure of keeping in touch with each other after the wedding. The week of March 11, 2018 through March 17, 2018, started tragically when Mia lost her name Charlie while hiking in the mountains. Charlie ran ahead of Mia and Kevin, her husband, while going up a short but steep hike up to a rocky point as part of the Rock Adirondack Mountains. For three days, me and Kevin attempted to find Charlie to no avail. On Thursday, March 15, 2018, at approximately 9.30 p.m., Mia called me to ask whether I picked up any information about Charlie once she explained that he went missing and that they were searching for him. I told Mia that Charlie's still alive and I was picturing him in a shed-type shelter with either a sliding or swinging door attached to it, um, either that on it or at the property of a stained wooden house, which had three or four long, narrow windows. I didn't feel that Charlie was too far from where he went missing. I felt that the residence was empty, but that the owner may be coming up to the house within the next 24 to 48 hours, that Charlie did not appear to be hurt, but that he was probably just disoriented. I also saw a tan rope leash attached to Charlie. I said that me and Kevin would find Charlie within the next day or so and that everything would turn out okay. 
at that point, the next day, I had the opportunity of hearing from Mia, and I am so happy to welcome her to the show so that she can share firsthand her account of this remarkable story and the fact that it turned out in such a, a favorable way. Welcome to the show, Mia. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I know we've been talking about doing this episode for several months, and I'm so pleased that we can finally line up our schedules to do this episode. This, uh, I know, me too. I this is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the greatest things I can share with my, our audience is that every time I go to a wedding, I sometimes come across some remarkable people <laughs> that I keep in touch with for a very long time afterwards. They become close, <laughs> closely connected. And I felt like that happened to us last October when we met at Heather, Heather's wedding and Megan's wedding. And we were seated at the same table with each other. And it was a very magical night that we had that opportunity. And um, I definitely am glad that we've been able to keep in touch since then. It um, definitely was. It, it was one of those things. <laughs> just things happen sometimes. I call it synchronicity a lot. But uh, yeah, I, I want to ask you. You you currently live in Pennsylvania, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yep. And I I know you work in the medical um, profession. We don't have to get more specific than that. Um, <laughs> I want I wanted to ask you because this is one of those stories that deals with what everyone fears if your if your or loved one disappears. And yes, I I it's a gut wrenching feeling when when that happens. Um. I wanted to get into the background of Charlie with you. First off, I want to ask you, how's Charlie doing at this point? Charlie is great. He is back to his rambunctious self. He put back on the five or six pounds that he lost in those four days. But, um, yeah, he's doing really well. His brothers and we are certainly over the moon about having him back. That's great. And how long? how old is Charlie right now? Charlie's uh, two and a half. Yeah, still in that okay. puppy teen stage. <laughs> sure. And when you um, He's the youngest of our four. You have four dogs, that's right. Are they all the same type yeah. of, of of breed? They're not. Um Charlie's the only Gordon setter. We have two Dobermans who are both older than Charlie and a much older Chihuahua, Harley. Okay. He's eleven. Okay. Yeah. Now Charlie's you a go <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Charlie's the baby? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Tell me a little about, let's paint the scene for the week of March 11, 2018, a few months ago. Um, you go up to the Adirondack Mountains. Is that frequently? Yeah. So we have a place up there, and we go up all the time. Um, we started off just okay. going up in the winter snowmobile and uh started we we bought a place up there and then we bought another place and renovated it and um that's kind of been our our go-to vacation spot so it's a it's a special place we actually got married up there um we we love it (laughs) that's great that's great walk me through um so in march in the adirondacks is there snow on the ground what what what's the scene look like Yes. So um, it's much cooler up there, uh, you know, kind of all through the seasons, but they have a good amount of snow um, right through till April. Um, Snowmobile season is actually right through till April. So March and particularly that week, there are several feet of snow still on the ground. And 
actually in the in the days that he went missing, it snowed about 18 inches uh, cumulative on top of what was already there. So it's a, we love it up there because it's a, a winter wonderland. It's a it's a beautiful beautiful place, and um, this was put quite a wrench in our in our view of the place until you know, of course, we got our happy ending. Now, tell me, when did you go? I know you were hiking, as I said in my intro. When did at what date did you go hiking with Charlie and your husband and your other dogs? Because I believe all the dogs were with you at the time, right? So we. Yeah, so we had been up there um, kind of for the week. We had some family visiting, and then they left. And um, there was a particular hike that I had done without my husband in the summertime. And I was like, this would be really great to get the dogs out before we have to go home. Let's, let's, you know, deviate from our normal snowmobile eating, drinking, relaxing plan, and let's let's go on a hike. So so we we kind of took the dogs we Harley was the only one that didn't go our chihuahua it was too cold for him um but we took the the three big guys uh Charlie Har- uh Will and Victor um we bundled them up we put sweatshirts on them our snow pants uh they had their their collars and their leads and everything and we drove just to the next town over to do this hike um and the, it's a great hike because it's short it's very steep but it's short, and I figured with the ground it would be, you know, not too difficult. And um, at the top, at the summit, there's, like, just this amazing view of all of the lakes um, just just from the top. So I was all excited okay. about it, and that's, that's what we decided to do before we were supposed to head home. So this is a Monday uh, afternoon. It was, like, 1 o'clock that we decided to go on the hike, and then we were going to go back and pack up and, and drive home that evening. Uh, we had some family obligations at home to attend to before we started back at work on um, the, it was Thursday that we had to go back to work. Okay. And Mia, tell, tell me, what type, of, what type of day did you actually go and start your hike? It, it was right around, uh, right after lunchtime, so around 1 p.m. Um, that we set out to go hike. And I think we got, you know, we were we were well into our hike around 2 o'clock and it was about, 2:45 that he went missing. He uh, kind of took off up the the mountain while we had coming down, and um, we didn't okay. really think much of it at first. <laughs> okay, so you you felt like your your own intuition was telling you that you'd probably find Charlie shortly thereafter. Is that what you you think? Yeah, he you know it didn't seem that difficult um, to see. You know there wasn't a whole lot of brush or anything. Um, He's a, a black dog in a completely white, snow-covered backdrop. Um, he had gotten away from us a couple times prior and, you know, circled back to to find us, so we didn't think too much of it um, right off the get-go. But, you know, we, we stopped talking right away and set after him. Okay. And then um, tell me what happened next once you realized that you weren't getting Charlie, you couldn't find Charlie a few minutes or shortly thereafter. What did you do next? Yeah. So, so panic set in pretty quickly. We I, we had both the the Dobermans now, our two bigger dogs. Um, Charlie had took off up the the mountain. We were about three quarters of the way up. So, been here once before. Let's just you know keep going up. So we kind of set off at a quicker pace up up to the top to the summit. Um, and when we got up there, you can kind of really see around. And you know we were thinking there's snow. There's not a whole lot of people hiking. There weren't many tracks. Um, so 
we just kind of followed where he was going. Um, and at that point, my husband gave me the other dog, so I had the two big dogs, and he started, you know, just to free himself, um, kind of running to follow the tracks down the other side where he, he saw them kind of disappear. And um, the way that they went down was a, a very steep, steep part. So that's when we really started to get worried because it was not on the trail, like really unsure if he'd be able to climb back up that part. Um, so at that point, we just kind of split off and started circling just the mountain. I had the two big dogs. I figured I would make my way down back the way we came in case he circled back to the trail. And my husband just kept following the tracks, um, the, the, the fresh tracks that he saw that we figured were Charlie's. Okay. Several um, hours. And- so you did that for several hours. At that point, since it's March, did it start getting dark yet, or was it still light? Yeah, so so about 4 o'clock-ish, 5 o'clock-ish, we got back to the car at the base of the mountain, and we're like, all right, we need we need another plan. So, you know, I put the dogs, the, our two big dogs, in the car. Um, Kevin set up back up uh, one side, and I took, um, I believe I took them home and then came back out with with one of them figuring one was easier than two he would maybe smell his brother and I went up a separate trail that was kind of at the base of the mountain um, to try to hit it from another angle um, so it wasn't quite dark yet and at that point I, I said to, to my husband let's both try these two trails um, meet back at the car and and then we kind of talked about like should we call the police? Who do we call? What do we do? We, we have to start thinking because it's, it's going to get dark and cold. So, did you guys start um, feeling like you were panicked at this point or were you still pretty calm? I did. I, no, I started to feel panicked. So we kind of switched off then to give our dog a break. And um, I went back up the mountain. Kevin took the car and he started just driving around the base, seeing if, if he had come down to a road, if anyone had seen him. Um, and at that point, he actually uh, was driving down this one road near the, there's really only two roads, one on one side of the mountain and the other kind of on the other side. And then the rest of it is just mountains. So he saw this um, black dog in a car in front of him. And, um, you know, he couldn't make it out at all, but he kind of stalked them, <laughs> kind of crept up close with tailgating, trying to see in the car, see if it was him. And the woman driving the car noticed you know, that she was being followed and kind of pulled over. Um, and he apologized for, for scaring her, told her what happened. And uh, it just so happened that she was, yeah, she was a um, kind of a, a local there, lived right on that road, had her dog in the car with her, who she had lost previously for just a couple of hours, but knew that heartache and kind of made it her oh. mission to help us try to find Charlie. So that was our kind wow. of first little, little kind of, nice miracle in the in the work so wow yeah she actually put put up a post she was a local kind of knew everybody in the town and put up a facebook post that evening saying you know these people lost their dogs and we all need to pull together and help them and she kind of got people a bunch of people out the next day on foot so at that point i did call and notify the police um kind of put out a a missing person because he he's our baby (laughs) And, of course, uh, of course. You know, it just, the search began, and um, it was, uh, we we went through till dark, um, and then finally went home kind of devastated after driving around in the dark several hours, just kind of looking along the street, calling his name, 
Um, and then we figured we would just get up bright and early and do it all over again. Uh, of course, we didn't sleep and a wink that night. I'm sure. And tell me, how cold did it get that night that you can recall? So we were we were fortunate. Um, so these it can get very cold up there. Uh, the three Februarys ago, we got married, and our wedding date was negative 22 degrees, which is pretty wow. cold. Not 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 unheard of up there. Um, we were fortunate. It actually was in the um, in the 30s during this time, in the low 30s. It was right around the freezing point, but it wasn't anywhere near what it could be. So we were we were grateful for that. Um, we tortured okay. ourselves a little bit, Googling things about, you know, survival and dogs and temperatures and, and things like that. Oh, that's torturing, I'm sure. Anytime you go on Google and you want to look up some type of perspective information about a situation, you could always get the full gamut of all these different types of scenarios that can really make your mind wander and worry. So Exactly. Um, it was terrifying. And I'm yeah. Yeah. At that point you gotta push the push the computer or the or the you know the iPad or tablet or phone away and just say, let me just take a step right. back for a minute. So right. how many how many people uh, wound up getting involved searching for Charlie the next day and what what occurred? It was on that pretty amazing. The community up there, the 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 town up there, they're, they're tiny little towns, um, and their their busy season is the summer. Um, they get some volume in the winter with snowmobilers, but for the most part, they're quiet, tiny little towns. They don't even have their own schools. They kind of ship all the kids into one main town um, to get enough in for a school. So you know, populations in the hundreds. Um, so it was pretty incredible. Um, this woman, Connie. Uh, pulled together a whole bunch of people and it just so happened that she previously had headed some search and rescue teams um she was off for the winter her business primarily is in the summer up there so um and of course she knew a whole bunch of dog lovers so we had that on our side so she made this post and got i mean hundreds of people online getting the word out and then i i think the entire town knew about it by the next day wow um we made up yeah, we had made up flyers in the night, um, put them out, uh, started putting them at all the local businesses and restaurants and bars and libraries and everything. Um, and every time we walked in, the people would recognize us and say, oh, my gosh, we heard Charlie went. We didn't realize this was you. Um, we're looking. We're telling people. Um, there's, you know, there's a couple people who reached out to me, restaurant owners on Facebook, um, who kind of contacted me and said, I know we don't know each other, but we we understand your pain and we're looking. Um, they kind of offered their staff free beer to go out and look for, for our dog out of the kindness of their heart. They, they were offering free stays at their place. Um, people were just, it was the outpouring of, you know, the caring and the generosity, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. So we had a lot of people looking. And just even by the next day, hiking up that mountain, um, we were calling for them. And then we, we'd hear and they'd say, hey, are you Charlie's parents? We're, we did this side and we did this trail. It was perfect strangers yelling out to us in the woods looking for our dog wow. in, in, in the freezing cold. Yeah. It was, it was wow. Amazing. So did you delay going back home? Your, your regular home and oh, because yeah. of Charlie missing. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah. And so we were supposed to go back um, that Monday night, be home for Tuesday. Um, and we stayed right up, up until about, we left about 12 hours before I was supposed to be at work the next day. <laughs> it was, it was, okay. yeah, we, we stayed, <laughs> we couldn't bring ourselves to, to leave. Uh, you know, and each day sure. that went by it was 72 hours, um, about exactly 72 hours. Cause we left three days right in the afternoon, uh, to, to head home. And um, it was awful leaving there, well, you know, missing one of our there there are children basically. Of course, of course. Now, what went through your mind as you're driving away on that? I guess that's that Wednesday, three days after Charlie went missing. What were you thinking, just to share with our audience what it oh, felt like? We were devastated, completely devastated. Now we were trying so hard uh, just to think positively. Um, all these people who were there searching, they would they told us they were going to continue searching. Um, you know, not to give up hope. We did hear some amazing stories, firsthand accounts from people who had lost dogs for several days or even weeks. So we had um, contacted a, a pet detective who was giving us some things on ways to track animals and, and that kind of thing. So we, we were doing all of those things as well. Um, but the, the heartache of leaving there, driving away without him and not knowing if he was safe, if he was hurt, if he was lost, if he was injured if somebody had him and didn't want to give him back because he's so darn cute. You know, we just didn't know. Um, he had a microchip and he had his collar on with my phone number. So it was, it was, it was awful leaving with all these. Sounds unknowns. like it was. Oh yeah. It sounds like it would be gut wrenching. It sounds like it was like just knocked the wind out oh, of you. And it, was, it sounds like. Yeah. We felt like point, we couldn't breathe. That's exactly right. Yeah. And at that point, you're just thinking, you know, you don't want to think the worst, but you have to think about all these various scenarios, like, like those what-if thoughts of what if this happens? What if that right, happens? Exactly. What am I going to do? And unfortunately, you had to deal with that for three days. And then so fast exactly. forward to the next, the next morning, you go back to your regular house. And what's the yeah. next thing that happened? So, well, on the way home, actually, was when I had decided, um, you know, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. And um, I remembered you from the wedding and um, just, you know, speaking with you and just your incredible intuition. And I was just said to my husband, I said, I, you know, maybe I should just see, I'll reach out and just see. I said, I don't know if that's the sort of thing he can do or if that's within the realm of, of kind of what he does, but let's just see, you can't hurt to ask. And um, so we're on the way home. Actually, we were setting up a, a Facebook page for him so that they could continue searching and everybody could be in contact with each other. And, um, I, I think I texted or called you, um, probably mm -hmm. crying <laughs> and just kind of asked. And, and you said you, I think you were at dinner or finishing up dinner and you said you'd call me back in just a few minutes. And, um, you know, my husband's kind of looking at me like, well, whatever. Like he, he was willing to try anything, even though he was, not uh, confident that this was something that was going to help. Sure. Um, but, you know, warm and, and uh, receptive and called me back. And, um, and it, just, it actually, just, what? I was going to say, ahead. just before, I didn't interrupt you. Just in, in what was going through my mind when you had texted me, yeah. I think you had mentioned that your dog went missing. And I'm thinking to myself, can I do anything to help you? Because I don't really 
pick up on animals too much. It's not something that, uh, you know, I'm a medium, but, and I do have intuitive stuff as well, but I wasn't, and there's been times in the past where very small doses of that I was able to do, but I wasn't sure in this particular situation if that would be something that I could do. So I was a little nervous, to be honest with you. But and I you were, you were like honest about that. You said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I you remember said that. Exactly sitting, that. I remember sitting on my couch yeah, saying, you know, you I'm were a little kinda... nervous about this, uh, but let's see what we can get. So, yeah, what do you, you basically next? said, I'm not going to make any promises, but I, I, I'll try. I'll see. Absolutely. Tell, tell, tell our audience uh, what you can recall. I know I shared stuff in my intro, but what do you remember yeah, during our conversation? So it was pretty pretty incredible um, because, you know, like I said, we were just, there were just so many what ifs and unknowns and we didn't know how we were going to function at work and, and we hadn't slept. We needed something to kind of calm those thoughts. And we, um, so when you said you would just see what you got, you know, so we, we got on the phone and I put you on speaker. My husband was driving and um, you started off with, I think you said, I, I see him, and he's he's alive. I mean, you started with that he's alive, he's okay, um, he's disoriented, um, but he's okay. And that was the first thing that you said. And that was just like I felt like I could breathe. <laughs> and then uh, wow. you kind of led on. You said something. You said, I see a, like a, a tan rope attached to him. And that was like the first, whoa, like really got my husband's attention immediately because he his his leash is not a typical leash we we like um kind of some eccentric type things and we like to match our our woodsy you know cabin thing with the dogs and so they have these kind of rustic leashes tan one was one that i had never used before um and it was a it's a exactly that it's a tan actual rope leash that has a couple of different ways that you can hold it either around your waist or by the by the wrist and um, we hadn't used it before for any of the dogs so I knew that there hadn't been any photos taken of him with that leash that there was absolutely no way that you would have ever seen that leash on him and even known that it was still attached which was actually one of the sources of our fear we were afraid that it would get caught on something or that he would be hanging from a cliff by it or, or something like that. So that was the first sure. thing that kind of we were like, oh, he's he's actually seeing something, <laughs> something real here. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. So that was a and what? Yeah. And then what do you remember after that? During our so talk? then I remember you you were kind of saying you said I'm not familiar with that area. You said I'm in in Florida and it's, it's sunny here <laughs> and I'm not familiar with what where, where you live or even where he was lost. But you said I'm just seeing this house um you said it's you said it's a like woods either wood or wood stained house and you described these long windows and um we're kind of like we don't know anybody with a a house like that but there are lots of them like that in that area just wood houses but we were trying to picture you know visualize because we know the we know the place well so you kind of said there are these like long windows maybe a triangular something and you said that but this house has like a lean-to or a shed or something right right by it and you said I think he's in there something lured him there this a smell something and and he's kind of taking shelter there is what you said Uh, so and then the next thing that was kind of crazy about it was 
you know, like I said, the population up there is pretty sparse, and most people don't live up there full time. They're vacation homes, or um, you know, seasonal homes. So, um, sorry, dog problem here. <laughs> um, no problem. So, yeah, no problem. so yeah, so they're like seasonal homes, or you know, and we knew that for the most part, these these homes were empty. And that was one of our fears was that if he came down the mountain and if he found a house, would anyone even be there? Would he just be waiting indefinitely for somebody that was not going to show up? So what you said was that the the house was, uh, the residence was currently unoccupied, but that you felt like they were coming up in a day or so. And um, it was very feasible, actually, because it was a Thursday night that I called you. And uh, a lot of people, you know, were off on the weekends and would go up. To their, to their cabins for the weekend so that seemed you know reasonable and kind of gave us a little more hope so um, that was the next thing sure. that, that I recall you saying wow and I remember um, when I was telling I you that from my first perspective yeah. I remember getting nervous saying well what if I'm telling her she's going to find she's going to find Charlie and he's in this property I saw the image of it which I don't normally do but for this particular circumstance yeah. I actually had an image of the, of the property and I saw the shed on the side, and I sensed that, you know? But then I was also like, you always yeah. get that kind of second guessing, you know? And, and, and when I do this kind of stuff, I've learned yeah. not to do that too much. But I remember saying, huh. wow, you know, this feels great. I got goosebumps. And anytime I get goosebumps when I give wow. information to people, I feel like it's pretty, pretty beyond the, it's the realm. It's pretty of, accurate. That's, yeah. yeah you were pretty yeah, specific, which was pretty, you know, pretty incredible. You 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 described wow. this place, you know, very lot, a lot of detail. <laughs> so that was pretty crazy. I mean, thing I said, if anything, because I can't remember off the top of my head. I know there were a couple of things, but so, um, if there's any other um, details. I you you said that we were going, yeah, we were going to get a phone call um, in the next day or so. Um, you know that he was okay, just disoriented. That nobody had him. I remember you specifically saying like, nobody has him. Um, you know, he's he's alone out there, but that he's not hurt and that he's okay. And uh, I think you also said something. I didn't remember this, but my husband and I were talking about it the other day, and he said that you had mentioned that we we know these people. And I was like, that's okay. weird. Like that would be so weird. And I'm I'm kind of going through in my head all the people that we know and that we've because we do we have a lot of acquaintances that we've met along the way, just you know from going up so often. And I was thinking in my head, like I feel like we've contacted everybody that we know up here, you know, who could this be? Where is he? <laughs> so, at that point, you know, the police were actually taking their off-road down roads that you couldn't get to by car. We were trying different spots with snowmobile, and, I mean, we were literally trying everything that we were going to use, but unfortunately it snowed beginning pretty much the minute we lost him straight through till we left, which... Normally, wow. when we're up there, is like amazing. We love the snow because it gives us, you know, all the, the definitely the snowmobile, all that that kind of thing. So, but it was like every every inch it snowed, we were just devastated more and more thinking about him out there. And then, and then was there the anything other thing else I told you during that tracks? Thing? Okay. So, sure. So yeah. So. You you know you had said that and I immediately thought all right I'm gonna contact everybody and tell them to to search you know uninhabited houses lean-tos anything that they could find sheds just all, 
check your neighbor's house, check check everything. And I just set up this Facebook page um, that so we weren't all just texting blindly. And I was thinking in my head, all right, I'm going to remember everything he said so I can make a post and, and let them know the specifics of what to look at. I'm also thinking, I wonder how many people are going to think I've gone, you know, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I sure, didn't care. You got a friend in Florida. You called, you called a friend yeah. down in Florida and you wanted to find out about your dog <laughs> and the Anirodex up in, up in New York exactly. State. Like, what are the odds, right? They're going to be like, you're man, he yeah, really hasn't. Yeah, she really hasn't slept in in quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> so we we approached the it. next day. Yeah, yeah, and I remember you shared that you shared the post with me through my Facebook, and I remember reading it. And I remember getting off the phone with you saying, yeah. I, "I I pray you can find Charlie because I I put myself on the yeah. line without even realizing it, even though I kept telling you this right. like, well, I may not be right with this, right. but just in case, I want you to know." Yeah, and then you did put a disclaimer out there for sure, and I did tell them that. <laughs> and I yeah. just say, you know, he's he's a normal guy. Let me just tell you, this is a, he's a normal guy. He's just got really, really impressive intuition. Whether you believe that stuff or not, I've seen it. <laughs> so, sure. Cause I and then especially after that, talking to him. Well, what I was going to say, too, that I remember at the wedding, Heather was introducing me to her family and friends, and including you guys, and I remember – after I enjoyed myself for a while at the wedding, I started reading people there, which was fun, yeah. entertaining, yeah. and fun for everybody involved, including myself. So yeah. let's go back to the Friday thing. I remember happening was I was working in my day job as a lawyer. And I remember getting like a text yeah. message from you, and I remember seeing like missed calls on my phone, and I'm thinking, okay, this could go one or two directions. So then I remember that I called you like, six o'clock that evening or something, or as soon as I could. And yeah. can you share with our audience yeah. what you remember next? Yeah. So, um, so we, we got off the phone. I made the post. I'm sure my friends thought I was absolutely off my rocker, but actually the response I got from them was, was pretty good. And the, the first thing that happened was one of our very good friends up there, Johnny, he texted me uh, after I put that message out there. He said, he's describing my uncle's house. <laughs> he said he lives on that road. He lives on that road and he's coming up tomorrow. He's like, I'll go check it tomorrow. Or have someone check it. And I'm like, damn it, Johnny, check it now. <laughs> but you know, so I was like, okay, so this is, I mean, this is 1am now. We're still driving home. I had spoken with you at 10 30, 11 o'clock. And he, he's telling me that this, that, that I'm describing his house and that it's right at the base of, of where we lost him. Um, so that was kind of crazy. And then I'm thinking that that would be too weird. Like, there's no way. But anyway, yeah, have them check. So um, that was the first thing. And then, you know, um, the I actually slept that night for the first time, which was incredible. So uh, I had to be at work. I was working a 12-hour shift, 11 to 11. And, you know, we got home, I don't know, maybe 2 a.m. or so. Um, and I was able to sleep before my shift. But I showed up at work, and I was just holding my breath. Um, not, you know, I, I purposely didn't put anything on my Facebook page because I didn't want people asking me if I was okay or people that couldn't help because this, the, most of the people are, are from Pennsylvania. They weren't up in New York. So it was fine to have it on our friends up there, uh, you know, for, for them to help. But I didn't want to be bombarded with questions because I knew I would absolutely lose it. So anyway, I'm at work and 
people could tell I wasn't myself, but, you know, it's 11 a.m. and probably just thinking I'm tired. So all of a sudden I get uh, my, I have my phone glued to me and I see a phone number with, you know, the, the, the area code up there. And I was just like, my heart just like started racing. Uh, wow. And, you know, the, the, the people up there who had been had been just like texting updates and that kind of thing. And this was a number I didn't quite recognize, but I knew it was, was up there. So I answered it and it was the, the local town police. And she said, we found Charlie. And I was like, wait, what? what? <laughs> I shrieked and then just kind of dropped what I was doing and ran into a break room quick um, before I made a total scene and just started crying. And I said, what do you mean you found him? And they said, we don't know who even has him because, you know, they know all the locals and everything. They were like, they described some guy with, like, these hoop earrings or something. They were like, but he's got him on the mountain, and they're walking down now. I'm like, he's not even down yet. I said, are you sure it's him? And they said, he's got the the, the tan rope leash and his sweatshirt still on. But they're like, it couldn't be anybody else. So I was like, just, yeah, completely floored. So this is, like, about 12 hours later after I had spoken with you. It was noon the next day. Um, wow. And I was just, <laughs> couldn't believe it. So then the next thing that happened, he got down the mountain and the, all the friends that I had made and, and some of the friends that I knew, they actually live FaceTimed me. They went to the house where he was. And, um, you know, the one girl, the rest, um, kind of live FaceTimed me, walked right into the garage where they had him and, uh, you know, showed me that it was him and that he was okay and who, who his rescuers were. And it was just so overwhelming. It was amazing. So I screenshotted some of those pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Pictures from, from that. And then I kind of texted them to my friends and they were like, is it true? He found blah, blah. And this one guy, uh, our friend Johnny, noticed that his cousin was in the picture and he's like oh wow that's my cousin yeah he's like that's that's my cousin that's who found him that's the house that's (laughs) so yeah the whole thing was just amazing so I guess Johnny told you know I was at work and we're trying to coordinate is Charlie okay and getting him to the vet to get checked out and get him home for five hours back and uh I'm trying to get out of my shift trying to get somebody to cover my work shift and so yeah it was it was chaos but I remember making the time to text you immediately to thank you and and tell you <laughs> that you were right <laughs> and that, wow. that it's amazing. And I was amazed by that um, I was I was flabbergasted yeah. by it as well and um yeah the house where they found Charlie like where, where what can you describe that for us yeah so that was the, the crazy part because there was proof proof not just uh just my word but you know uh johnny called his cousin and was like you found my friend's dog and he told him about you and my post and everything because actually his friend that found him is probably the one of the what seven people on the planet that's not on facebook um he doesn't have a facebook account so he told him about about what happened and um he texted me a picture of his house and he said you know for laughs, here's here's my house. And uh, basically, what happened was he, uh, well, the, the picture. It was a, a wood stained house with several long, extraordinarily long windows, and then just kind of like a triangular structure at the top. And uh, wow, yeah, it was 
pretty much your, the house you described to a T. Um, so he wasn't actually found in it, but what happened was he was coming up for the weekend uh, for a St. Patty's Day parade, and um, his neighbor, Connie, <laughs> remarkably, said, hey, you got to help us wow. look for this dog. And uh, he said, okay. And so family ready and everything, he set out, and he noticed some, some tracks right outside of his house, and he kind of followed them up Rocky Mountain and literally led them right to our dog. Wow. And yeah, what incredible. was Charlie like when he found him? Or when you first got reunited with Charlie, what was he like? So we were told when he was first found, he kind of hunkered down, uh, kind of scurried beneath a tree. He was like a little bit skittish and scared. And then uh, he said he just approached him slowly, grabbed the leash, and then he just kind of walked down the mountain with him like like it was nothing. So, um, you know, looking at him, he definitely he had, you know, a lot of, snow attached to his long fur. Um, he was wet and cold and pretty skinny. He's a thin dog to begin with. He's just lean because he's very active. Um, but he, you know, for sure hadn't found anything to eat in those four days. Luckily, I'm sure he ate the snow to keep him hydrated, but uh, he was pretty thin. Um, but they said seemed very happy. He was licking them and kind of thanking, thanking everybody, I guess, from getting him out of there. Wow. Um, when we got reunited with him, that was pretty emotional too. He was, you know, I don't know who was more excited after him <laughs> or his brothers, you know, our other dogs were just crazy, crazy to see him. So. Wow. And then at what point did you finally see Charlie again? That you like, did you get up there that afternoon or that evening? Or? Yeah. So no, not able to get out of my shift. I was, so upset about that but you know just over the moon that that we found him and I knew he was safe so um my uh husband's family lives up there so the police who found you know who had called me who contacted me she drove him to um the closest vet which was over an hour away and then my brother-in-law picked him up at the vet and then they kept him at their house and then the next day our friend Johnny who was up there who actually lives in Pennsylvania um, has to drive right by our house here to go home. Um, he he brought him home, so I just kind of met him right on the highway and got got him at a rest stop <laughs> right wow. ten minutes from my house here. And, so the whole thing. And I nice. remember, I, I call it miraculous, being able to locate your dog yeah. in the middle of a heavily rural area in the mountains in snow and yeah you know, 30 degree temperatures for several days. Um, yeah. That's just such a great story. That I felt like hardly I really wanted reception. to share that. Sure. Yeah, it was, it sure. was, it was amazing. And a, a mean, couple of the big one, points that were, yeah, it was just, sure. you know, the, the first thing I think speaking with you did was um, just kind of gave me a sense of calm. Just, I just kind of needed to know something, you know, it was more the not knowing that was killing us. And, um, sure. you know, just needed to know something, even if you said, you know, you're not going to get him back. Maybe, I don't know what I would have done, but maybe I could have at least, you know, just started to accept it or something. I don't know. It was just the not knowing um, if he was okay that was killing us. I kept thinking Absolutely. he's such a great dog. Maybe somebody has him and just doesn't want to give him up, or maybe they think he was neglected or who knows, you know. So that that was 
Perfect. awesome. But then to have that happy ending and, and then the the just crazy cool story of you describing the house and having those people text me the picture of it and, you know, how it all came together where it was everybody kind of knew each other. It was just crazy. <laughs> Miraculous, as you said. <laughs> For me, I can tell you that I don't usually get those kind of situations occur too frequently. So when they do occur, it makes me really grateful that you reached out to me. And as I said, I'm just, you know, happy you were able to locate Charlie. And yeah. from my vantage oh, point, I, I feel like it's a miracle we could share together to share it with our, our my audience for this podcast. But I really appreciate you having the courage to come on here and share this because for me, you know, it might make people think, uh, a little differently about everything, and I like yeah. to do that sometimes. Yeah, giving people yeah a chance absolutely. to understand that, you know, because um, yes, absolutely, it definitely made my husband think differently. Um, and you know, even just to to give some people hope or to not looking or just to know that there's other ways to to kind of make the universe come together and you know possibly get get absolutely. what you've been looking for. <laughs> How has yeah, it been it was, for you since this happened when you share your story with people? How do they react? So people are pretty, you know, dumbfounded. They're just floored because, you know, I, I don't I don't think I'm somebody that does a whole lot of, like, things that are totally way out there that they'd say, oh, that's just, you know, that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think what, what I'm trying to say, I'd be, like, a, a reliable source for, you know, that, so – for me to say all of this and and have this first hand account um i think it, it's it's pretty cool people are just you know everybody's like oh tell us that story again and we need to hear more detail and let, let me see the pictures and they're pretty you know intrigued to say the least and um you know i do think that the the universe kind of comes together in strange ways like that you know i went to this this wedding of a good friend of mine who is marrying a good friend of yours and, and just kind of how we wound up at the same table and it's just kind of unbelievable <laughs> how it all turned I, out. I agree but, with you. I agree. And I think, yeah. you know, everything happens for a reason and that this particular story, I, I like that it has such a happy ending. I'm like that. It, I like that it turned out even with the odds, it turned out to be a very yeah. positive story. And that's why I felt very much yeah. inclined about wanting to have you come on and share that with our audience. Because I think with yeah. society the way it is right now, having a good story like this to share with other animal lovers and people who have their, you know, their own Absolutely. situations occur. That's why yeah. I wanted to share that. Cause <clears throat> I just knew your story is very compelling to me and, and sharing it and, and reliving it today with you, even as we go through this episode, brings yeah. a smile to my face. You know? Me too. And, and I was um, actually thinking as we were doing this, it's probably a good thing that we waited so long, like so long after, you know, several months, because I don't, I, I probably would have like cried through, <laughs> through the retelling. <laughs> now I'm at the point where, where it's just happy, you know, I'm remembering all the cool, happy things about it, not the, the agony and heartache and, and torture that I was experiencing for those days leading up to his, his uh, rescue. So. It just yeah. makes me grateful every feel, single day with I'm every thing that happens. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And the way I, the way I look at it. People need to hear good stories. Is, yeah. Not, not only that, just believing in, and understanding that it's a bigger world than we even realize ourselves, you know? Exactly. Um, you could be yeah. a skeptic. And, you know. Someone, go ahead. Yeah. 
No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, someone listening to this episode or someone who might be friends of somebody who be a friend of somebody listening to this could be a skeptic and say, that's just coincidental, you know, and, and look, they, we don't need to explain anything to them. I just know from my vantage point, being able to wake <laughs> right. up with you the way we did and the fact that Charlie eventually was found, that's enough for me that it doesn't exactly. matter about the other yeah, details. That's, it doesn't. No, it's some coincidence if that's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, one so, other thing I wanted to, to say about it was um, we found that, you know, just the whole the whole experience has made us much more um, wanting to just pay it forward. And so we find ourselves oh, yeah. constantly doing things like that, you know, and with That's this so story awesome. in mind, you know, helping in situations that maybe we, we wouldn't have. <laughs> it might have not gone yeah. out of our way for certain things, and, and we're doing that. So it's just, it's just been wonderful all around. Yeah. You know what I take from your story? I take a couple of things. I, I take that even when you're dealing with a horrible situation like the loss of a loved one, in this case, Charlie, and even when you're dealing with the odds sometimes seeming stacked against you, such as three days to believe in the generosity of others, such as the people who are in that community that helped you with the search parties and made all the efforts with the restaurant owners and the pouring of love and support for you guys that went, you know, as you went through the situation. And when you can look back at it now, you can, you can kind of look back at that and say, yes, we had this tragic thing happen. It was a close call. We were worried. But look at all the outpour and the love of support, uh, a loving support that you got from others, complete strangers reaching out to you. And then obviously we got exactly. lucky with the information I yeah. came up with, I feel like. You know, I won't call it luck. I'll say yeah. the information came yeah. as the way it did. And I'm glad you thought of me. <laughs> and then yeah. ultimately, more importantly than yeah. that, for anyone who goes through this kind of a situation, understand, have faith and believe and understand that there are more things at work than you could even think of. And miracles right. can happen. Exactly. And in this case, this is one good example yep. of that. So, you know. Exactly. And yeah, absolutely. 100%. So I appreciate, you, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on this episode and sharing this personal story with our audience. And I deeply thank you for um, reaching out to me when you did. And I'm so happy that Charlie's um, alive and thriving. Um, I guess one of the things I'll ask you is, if someone was to ha- if someone was to ask you about this episode and this experience, meaning your story, what would be the most, I would say, key thing you'd want them to remember about this situation that you went through that perhaps isn't something the, you've talked about so far with us? Yeah, I think the the key thing the, was the not giving up hope, exploring every avenue. I think if I had listened to that the the bad voice in my head telling me, you know, it's been so long, it's cold, he's small, there's coyotes, there's bears. If I had listened to that negative voice, you know, I I maybe not, wouldn't have explored every option or maybe would have given up hope and just been, you know, devastated and, and had to live with that. Um, but I think that I continued to just stay positive and I was fueled by, by all the people helping look for him and, and telling me other positive stories with happy endings. And I think just to, to stay positive, I think there's something about, you know, the, that energy that, that, that kind of maybe made everything line up the way it, it did and, and had me think to contact you in my brain, what else can we do, you know? And um, so I think that's the, the big thing to, to stay positive no matter what and, 
not give up hope and uh, just use every resource that you possibly can um, and, and keep your head up. <laughs> keep keep positive because there's, like you said, other other forces at work that we have no idea how or why <laughs> or where they come from, but, but they're there. They've got to be. There's no other explanation for it. Absolutely. I think that that's the best sum, summation of this entire experience. And um, yeah. I definitely am so happy that we could share this with everyone else today. And um, Me too. I'm honored that you had me on your show. And like I said, I've, I've been telling everybody about about the experience because it is it's just a it's a it wound up being a really heartwarming um tale <laughs> it's, i hope that Thank other people can, can have similar thanks jason <laughs> it's a pleasure thank you so much for <laughs> all Give right a hug for us okay okay oh care. i so will <laughs> he's gotten okay. a lot take care take thank care. you I uh, just want to thank our audience for tuning into this special episode today. Um, that's a story that I've been wanting to share for since it occurred on around March 15th. Um, things happen for a reason. And uh, synchronicity lines people up sometimes and puts you in each other's lives. And months later, you can have a situation occur that you can just appreciate everything. And that's why I wanted to share this with our audience, with each of you. And I want to thank everybody for supporting our show and continuing to support our show and our podcast. And I look forward to uh, future episodes. Uh, today also marks a personal anniversary for me. Um, my grandfather passed away 14 years ago today, and he's actually the main reason why I became spiritual and intuitive and psychic. Uh, when he died, I actually wound up having him come to me with orbs of light. It might sound like a far-fetched story, but it did happen. And that's what opened me up to where I am on my spiritual path for the last 14 years. And I just deeply appreciate it. And I just want to send my love out to my grandfather. I know you're looking down from above. And for anyone who's grieving a loved one or relative, always know that they're with you every day. They're with you in the most subtle ways. You will always have them at your side. And I just want to share that with everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Hardy's Happy Hour isn't your average happy hour. From 2 to 5 p.m., double sliders are only a buck twenty-five. Call it a charbroiled hour, a double beef hour, a whole lot of melty cheese hour. Call it what you want. Happy Hour at Hardy's is a good call. Offer for a limited time and only between 2 and 5 p.m. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. Hardy's Happy Hour isn't your average happy hour. From 2 to 5 p.m., double sliders are only a buck twenty-five. Call it a charbroiled hour, a double beef hour, a whole lot of melty cheese hour. Call it what you want. Happy Hour at Hardy's is a good call. Offer for a limited time and only between 2 and 5 p.m. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice. 
or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hi, I'm Lessa Gaudet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. 